following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Welcome in to The Leftovers. This is the Super Bowl Sunday edition. I'm joined by my esteemed colleagues, Anshu Khanna and Dan Bauer. Anshu, let's start with you. This episode's coming out on February 5th. I'm sure a lot of people will be calling off, listening to us. So, Anshu, how are you this evening following a yes, Super Bowl? Need... What, a great, what a game. <laughs> what, a, what a really an amazing game. The most productive game in terms of yardage in, I know, postseason history. Did it end up being the most in regular season yeah, history? Yeah, they said too? regular or postseason history. I mean... It's not possible to have a more interesting game than it came down to the last drive, you know, and I, as a Packer fan, saw Shades of Rogers on that Hail Mary. It was kind of one of those things where you weren't certain until that last, you know, whistle blew that the game was over. But, man, just awesome. Obviously, we got to give some props to our third man here for calling his shot with the Eagles. So nicely done, Dan. Yeah, our third leg, Dan. Appreciate the shout out. Uh, hey, I I called it. I had a feeling, and they did exactly what we thought of. Very much banding together, um, especially towards the end, and staving off that inevitable Brady two touchdown comeback that I think we all thought might happen, and uh, just never came. True. Yeah, and it, it's crazy that it was kind of because of Brady. I mean, it was Brady who turns the ball over there on the second to last drive, and you know, like. You expect if they're going to lose, you know, it's possible eventually, obviously, the the Patriots have to lose, you know, a, a playoff game. And you just don't expect it to be because of Brady. And on that play, we talked about the front four landing, you know, getting home on Brady. And, you know, I mean, it's not 100% his fault, obviously, because the line's got to block it up. But, you know, you, you would assume that the greatest of all time doesn't choke in that scenario. And he, I mean, flat out, he just didn't protect the ball. It's a It's a tough look for him. Yeah, I mean, and it's difficult to say in in a Super Bowl where, you know, there's more yards as far as offense goes in in any Super Bowl or any game in the history of the NFL. Tom Brady ended up with over 500 yards in this game, three touchdowns, didn't throw an interception. Uh, You know, know, you're going to look at a couple of different plays in this game. You're going to look at the pass where Brady drops it and he literally has nothing but green in front of him and could have scored. You're going to look at the Clement touchdown where he's – in the end zone, bobbling the ball, maybe some people are going to say that that's a questionable uh, no overturn there. And then you're also going to look at the uh, Zach Ertz touchdown where he, you know, it's, it, they, a lot of people are looking at that and saying, you know, how much does this compare to the Jesse James touchdown? I personally think both of them were touchdowns, and I'm really happy that uh, we're seeing Philadelphia <laughs> win their first Super Bowl and not New England win their sixth. But, Dan, I mean, you saw something in this Philadelphia team 
that that made you pick them. I did pick the over, and I did pick Philly to cover, but I just didn't have the balls to pick Philadelphia to win this game. So what was it about your testicular fortitude that made you go with this team? <laughs> you know, it, it was just a gut feeling that I had. You know, we were betting against them the whole year, and they were a more resilient team. And, you know, on some level, it just looked like they wanted it more. You know, Tom Brady looked awful in that first half. Obviously, looked a, a lot better in the second half until the turnover. But, you know, a lot of the lame, just duck throws, that ball was wobbling. He didn't look crisp. He didn't look comfortable. Um, and Philly looked like they were in control the whole time. And uh, to getting back to your original question, they looked like the team that they've looked like all year, just very poised, very in control. Um, Nick Foles looking like the player he never was. And, you know, who knows, maybe he ends up in a Browns uniform by uh, this time tomorrow morning, depending on uh, how quickly the Browns can get on the phone and get ourselves a quarterback. But, uh, I mean, just an absolutely resilient team. There's nothing more you can really say other than uh, they had their own testicular fortitude uh, to come out on top. Well, I think it's safe to say if he does end up in a Browns uniform, this will be the last time he will be hosting a Lombardi Trophy uh, and being the Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> uh, but New England has three receivers over 100 yards here. Uh, but, Anshu, I want to pose this question to you because we've been talking a lot about the legacy. We've been talking a lot about Belichick Brady. You know, Brady's 40 years old. He's the MVP of the league this season. He has over 500 yards in the Super Bowl, three touchdowns, no interceptions, has three receivers over 100 yards. How how much of a future does this legacy have, or have we gotten to the end of the red carpet? Uh, I mean, honestly, I I can see one more year out of Brady when I see him play. I, I think that, you know, the thing I take away most isn't, you know, the production is amazing, obviously. And he loses his top deep threat in Brandon Cooks early, which I thought he was going to have a huge game against the secondary, the Philly secondary, which has been, you know, maligned by the deep ball. And is they he alive, still by the way? With the back- yeah, I mean, he got dude, lit yeah. up. Looked bad. Looked real bad. Um, and they, they ruled him out, like, immediately. So it was obviously pretty clear that it didn't go well for him. But, you know, the fact that he still posted those numbers, I mean, I, I mean, it's an amazing thing. Brady, say whatever you want about him and Belichick or whoever deserving the, the credit and McDaniels. But, you know, this guy still clearly has a complete and total grasp on everything. But there's no question in my mind that, you know, time is catching up to him like the fact that at the end of the first half I thought you know he can't get the ball to the end zone there from midfield which literally I I think you know 25 or 30 quarterbacks are able to do that and you definitely expect Brady to and instead they kind of dump it off and they rack up like you know 28 30 yards on, on that really weird little you know out pattern to me I I mean I think that was the the most noticeable thing about this. And I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I don't know where you stand on it. I assume that it's sort of a loaded question. And, and I think that there's maybe one more year of a Brady at a Super Bowl level until he needs to get carried to it the way, you know, Peyton Manning did by that Broncos defense, which is still amazing in your early forties, but I just don't think he can carry an entire franchise on his back after this year, after next year. Yeah. I mean, for me, um, it, it's obvious when Brady has a little bit of pressure on him, and, you know, he, he doesn't have as much time in the pocket to throw. He's not even a shadow of the quarterback he can be when he has time. And I think you started to see that in the second half because when you look at the first half of this game, Philadelphia wasn't bringing much pressure at all. They weren't blitzing very much at all. Jim Schwartz was calling very conservative packages on the defensive side of the ball. And 
basically Philadelphia was daring him to do what he ended up doing, and they couldn't stop him when he was doing it. But in the second half, they started to, especially in the fourth quarter, you know, they started to bring some delayed pressure on Brady. And when he had that delayed pressure in his face, he started to force some throws. And uh, I think that's kind of what made the difference toward the end of this game. I think a lot of people were bracing themselves for another Brady-esque comeback. Um, mm-hmm. but we just, we didn't get it. And, uh, that last drive of the game, it was kind of telling and it did, it, it, I think Brady's age did show a little bit on that last drive, you know, even on that last play where he steps up in the pocket to throw that Hail Mary. I think you mentioned this, aren't you? It's, you know, he, he gets the ball barely to the very front of the end zone and, you know, it was ridiculous how close it was to end up being a, a catch on the, the Patriots side because Philly oh. kind of tips it up and, you know, there's, there's Gronk there a foot away from the ball, which would have made a lot of us sick, myself included, but. Um, you, 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 you kind of switching things over though, you know, and, and Dan, I, I think you, you alluded to, you know, what you saw out of Philadelphia, you know, there's a lot that can be said for Nick Foles in this game. And really, you know, he has one interception in this game, but it was on a pass that Alshon Jeffrey had in his hands and then tips it up to a, to a new England receiver on a play that could have easily been a touchdown. Uh, Nick Foles ends up 28 of 43, 373 yards and three touchdowns in his own right. Uh, so Dan, what do you, I know you mentioned we could see him in a Browns jersey. How how impressive is this for Nick Foles for Philadelphia to come out and play as well as he does as a quarterback who started what three or four games this year? Um, how impressive is it to see that out of Nick Foles? And then obviously, what's the next step for them, uh, the Eagles, as far as looking at him? It's unbelievably impressive to come in for Carson Wentz. You know, the, essentially most of your fan base at this point thinks your season's over. He comes in and goes and wins you a Super Bowl. I know I joked about it. I don't actually think that there is much more uh, to a Nick Foles being a, a legitimate starting quarterback than what we've seen in his career previously. I, you know, Again, I think this was one of those years that just everything happened to come together right for this team. The chemistry was there. The, the us-against-the-world attitude was there. I don't think that Nick Foles uh, can continue what he did. I mean, he looked obviously – great today um, and has looked great the past couple day games but I think there's going to be a big regression towards the mean uh, next year so you know I was actually talking to a couple uh, friends tonight at the game of just kind of hey what would you give up in theory for Nick Foles and I think the consensus was not giving up anything more than a third round pick uh, in a trade for Nick Foles and I don't know if that gets it done or if Philly would rather just keep him there and have somebody in case Carson Wentz goes down again. So, I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think there's a legitimate chance he ends up in a, a Browns uniform, in some other uniform, or think he's staying in Philadelphia? Well, I, I'm going to kick this to Anshu, but my my personal thought is a third-round pick's not going to get it done. I mean, regardless of what you think about Nick Foles, when you look at his body of work, he's a Super Bowl MVP now, and you're not going to get him for a third-round pick. I don't know, Anshu, if you would disagree with that, but – I think for the Browns, I mean, that's that's kind of what you should go after, in my opinion. I, I'm not a Browns fan. I'm, I'm not on that side of it, obviously. But, I mean, he's a Super Bowl MVP now. He proved in the biggest moments. And I think under under this game in particular, he showed that he... He made so many third down passes in this game that were impressive to me, and he was he was hitting very very tight windows. I I just think when you have a quarterback that can handle pressure like that, to me, it's worth maybe throwing a first or a second rounder at. I don't know. What do you think, Anshu? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't give up a first for him. Like Dan was sort of alluding to, we've seen kind of a body of work for Nick Foles. So 
I'd be looking at a second. I think that's the sweet spot. I mean, I think a second and maybe a f- another fourth makes a lot of sense. I think third is definitely light. Like, if you're the Eagles, like, what are you even looking for? I mean, a third rounder doesn't really help your chances that much. Like, uh, long term, maybe. I know Foles is going to be a free agent after this year. But you've seen now what they can do if Carson wants is to get hurt and – Candidly, like you don't know if Wentz is going to be there for opening day next year either. I mean, the the reality is we've seen stuff like with what happened to Andrew Luck, like you know best laid plans or whatever, and you you assume that Wentz is going to be back, but it could potentially work out where he's not. And Foles, this isn't the first time we've seen big flashes out of Foles. Like you know he had that season with Chip Kelly where he goes twenty seven and two or something like that and touchdown and interception, which is just crazy. I mean, this guy's produced as long as he didn't have Jeff Fisher as his coach. So, I mean, I'm not saying I, I'm giving up a first for him, but, I, I mean, I, if I'm the Eagles, I don't necessarily take anything less than a second and and more than that probably. And just knowing, like, hey, if I've got this backup, that's super valuable. Like, we're not out of it if, if Wentz gets hurt. And that is – that's a thing, man. Like, to know that if your star gets hurt, your franchise gets hurt – You've now got fulls, and that cause that's cause for leverage. I mean, that might help you in you know potentially extending ones. And I I have kind of an interesting spin on this. I think I'd love to hear Dan's perspective on this. Say Howie Roseman calls John Dorsey tomorrow and says, "Hey, you know what? We feel real good about this fulls guy. Carson Wentz for your number one and number four picks next year. What do you say to that?" Oh, um, I don't. Not for both of them. I think wow. there's too much too much value that you can get out of both of those picks. The Browns just have so many holes that they need f- filled. You know, whether it's running back, uh, defensive back, you know, quarterback. Obviously, again, you know, we've talked a lot about this. I'm not super sold on any of those top quarterbacks. So, you know, it's not like I feel the need to have to use that on a top quarterback. If it was, if it was the the one of those first round picks and maybe one of our seconds i would very much consider that though and probably pull the trigger i mean if i'm i'm just gonna say this if i'm if i'm the browns i do that because you're just hoping to land a wentz type so and if you're the eagles i mean you've won the world you've won the super bowl with nick Foles. i mean i i agree with what you said earlier where like it was a little bit of a flash in the pan i think it they caught fire at the right time similar to joe flacco winning it a few years ago but, you know, I, I do think that it I and it would never, ever happen, to be clear. I'm just saying I think it's interesting and I think that it, it kind of frames the next stage of the NFL season, which is the draft and just what you're looking to do. I mean, you just want one of these guys because you got to hope. And part of it's the coaching, because, like, I think that Doug Peterson has proven just how amazingly valuable he is as a coach and a game planner and a strategist. You know, the fact that he did this on a neutral side against. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady is just incredible to me. But, you know, I, anyways, I, I think that it's interesting, if nothing else. And it's, you know, you're you're looking for that guy, and it frames your whole offseason, like, looking for that guy, I think. Speaking of Doug Peterson, I just want to kind of go back. There were a couple calls in this game that were just absolutely, you would think, insane when you look at just common – common sense when it comes to uh, <laughs> the Super Bowl. So the the play on fourth down when they're at, what was it, the three or the four-yard line, and they do a reverse throw to, to Nick Foles, who ends up catching a touchdown. I mean, that's... Same exact play almost as the one that Brady doesn't catch, right? Right. Like almost a 
like very, a carbon copy. Yeah, pretty pretty similar. And, and not only to to run that play in and of itself, but to do it on fourth down and goal when you could easily go up by six right before half there. And then they go for it again on fourth at their own 45-yard line, uh, you know, with about halfway through the, the fourth quarter, a little more than that. I mean, Doug Peterson, I, so I, how, I how much of a that. difference do those two calls make in this game? I love the going for fourth at their 45. I actually said it like as soon as the the third down play ended, I said, you know, if I'm him, I go for this here. Because here's the thing is you don't want to give you, – you're better off going for it and giving Tom Brady 40 yards to put it – as weird as it sounds, to put a touchdown on you rather than uh, – rather than giving him a full field. So, and then where he's just going to eat your clock for six minutes and the game's over and you don't even get a chance. So you'd rather give Tom Brady the ball if he's going to beat you, which you, we were all just waiting for that inevitable play from Tom Brady. You'd rather him take two minutes and get that touchdown uh, from the 40 instead of running off the last six or seven minutes of the clock game over. You don't even get the ball back. So I thought a good risk reward on that fourth down play. Yeah, I mean, obviously when it works, that's the kind of play calling that uh, that makes a coach a legend. And when it doesn't work, it makes that kind of a play call uh, you a Marvin Lewis. So, Anchu, any, any thoughts on, on those two play calls? It wasn't just that either. They go for two in, like, the early second quarter, I think, in a, in a spot that most coaches don't. Look, I I think it's been proven analytically, like, just go for everything, basically, as long as it's not just absurd. And, I mean, I think that... Beyond that, like just the what it means, the kind of tone that you're setting for your team, I think that Doug Peterson did an amazing job. And it's weird because you look at him and you just don't believe that that kind of conviction comes from that guy, you know? And I mean, this is like the classic don't judge a book by its cover situation because he's clearly like pretty aggressive. And I, I like it. I think that his team, you know, something happened where the sum of the parts were greater than each individual piece on this team. And you have to give a lot of that credit to Peterson, in part because of his actual schematics, but also because of the tone that he set in the locker room. And and part of that is this stuff, right? Like the going for, going for it on fourth down. And, I mean, I know some people might frame that as like, oh, we're worse, so we're going to have to just take every chance that we get. But I don't see it that way. I mean, I see it as like, Hey, we're it's like a you only live one situation. Like, who knows if we're ever getting back here? We're not going to live with any kind of regrets after this game. And so, every chance that we get, we trust ourselves to execute the right play. And they did. I mean, they they didn't do it every time. They didn't hit that two point conversion, but you know, they they hit a bunch of these fourth downs. And yeah, some of the get the margins were narrow. Like, you know, the touchdowns were kind of questionable calls. I get it. I mean, I think they were both right, but. Either way, like you, you put yourself in those spots and then you come out with a win. You had to get those. And, you know, he proved right. I think that he hit all the right all the right notes for this team. Yeah, and you can almost feel that. Then when he was interviewed at halftime, they were up by ten at the at that time in the game and, and he basically said, you know, we're gonna go in, we're gonna recharge our batteries and we're gonna come back out and we're gonna play another thirty minutes of football. So you could almost Absolutely. feel that that, that 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 aggressive tone in his halftime interview. And I, I agree with you, Anchu. I absolutely loved it. Uh, you know, I, I I hated it because I had the square that if they would have kicked the field goal <laughs> in that second quarter, I would have gotten at least one square uh, in the game. But aside from that, I mean, I love the aggressive nature of the play calling. I'm so sick of watching my team in particular never mm-hmm. make the aggressive play call and always playing conservative. And that's why you lose close games. And when you 
you know, when you have the talent on that side of the football uh, to be able to go out there and you have enough confidence in a quarterback who's been there in the playoffs and, and really, you know, started only a few games for your team, you know, I think that the, the team kind of feeds on that and they, they uh, rally around that. And you kind of saw that with this Eagles team tonight. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I want to go back to New England. Dan, we want to we put this in the microwave. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk after the game about, you know, the futures of a lot of players, but one that was a little bit surprising, a uh, reporter asked Rob Gronkowski after the game, you know, he said that he had heard that he was contemplating retirement. Gronk responded by saying, I don't know where you heard that, but I'm definitely going to go back and evaluate this. And I wanted to pose this to you, Dan. How much do you feel that is just him kind of giving himself some time to, to vent there and, and just going off the cuff there with the answer. And how much do you think this is really Rob Gronkowski thinking about retiring? So I want to put, what do you think, 60 seconds in the microwave and allow you uh, to go in on your thoughts about uh, this Gronk take. So in true Gronk form, I will say I think 69% of that uh, is him just being salty after a loss. Uh, that's a That's a heartbreaking game to lose. And I would say 31% of it is a legitimate concern. I mean, he's had a lot of injury problems, you know, obviously that elbow um, and and a myriad of other injuries that he's had to miss time with uh, over the course of his career. So it'd be silly to say that there isn't part of him that probably doesn't want to take the abuse, doesn't want to keep getting injured, doesn't want to do all the rehab. You know, he's got plenty of money, Um, you know, and he's got so much other stuff going on. I mean, he's all the uh, him, his antics and doing, uh, being in TV shows and movies and all kinds of random stuff. So he's got other options. It's not like he's going to, uh, you know, not have anything to do if he retires. But I think he'll be back next year. The interesting thing, and I'll kick it to uh, Anshu here to to take the second half of this microwave. Who do you think is more likely to retire first, uh, Gronk or Brady? Ding! So well, we're going to have to <laughs> well, not make it a you. microwave, but I do like this question. <laughs> so Anshu, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, Brady already said that he's coming back in his presser, so I'm going to go with Gronk on that. But um, this surprised me, too. I mean, he's 28 years old. I think you could already argue he's the greatest tight end of all time. Like, statistically, if you look at it, it's insane. He's Ooh. dominated the game in every way. You looked at the second half, the way that they changed. You know, you said Brady looked different. I mean, look at Gronk's splits from the first half to the second, and you'll see that I think in large part it was Gronk getting, you know, back into the game. And in the second half, he just totally took over. I mean, he was hot. It was like watching, you know, LeBron get going in basketball. Like, he just completely dominated. Yeah. (laughs) Hypothetically speaking. Um, No, it was – no, I mean, Gronk Gronk should be back. I I get it, though. Like, I mean, his his head injuries – look, he's done everything you could really want as a tight end. Like – failing winning an MVP which is like impossible because Brady would just win it like I mean I, I can't imagine wanting to do anything more than what he's already done I mean and I do think that he's already a Hall of Famer so it's just crazy like it I I, I don't know I but he's more power to him if he decides he wants to explore like the wrestling stuff or whatever other BS he wants to do that's that's cool I mean I, I can't you know that it's a tough sport to play so but I do think he'll be back next year and probably for one more big contract. I mean, maybe maybe he was confused by the question, considering the concussions <laughs> that he's recently been facing. Um, 
No, I mean, we love Gronk in this league. He's obviously one of the better tight ends ever to play the game. It is difficult when you see somebody deal with that many injuries. And we saw people like Patrick Willis, you know, for the Niners, who was one of the best linebackers in the NFL, uh, call it quits early because of injuries. And I I don't think it's out of the question for for stars to do that. You know, Calvin Johnson retired Mm -hmm. early. Barry Sanders even. Not that that was due mm-hmm. to injury, but you, you see it more and more often, uh, especially when you have True. players getting injured. And I don't know that Gronk really feels like he has a lot more, like you said, in his career that he needs to accomplish. He's already going to go down as one of the best tight ends. He's never going to win an MVP because of the position he plays. Uh, and his career has uh, has been pretty damn well up to this point. So um, we want to put a bow on this. Uh, you know, It was a great game, one of the better Super Bowls, especially from the offensive end. There was only one punt in this game. Uh, but I wanted to give you guys both the opportunity to throw an O by the way out there. Anything in this game or just, you know, Super Bowl in general, uh, since that's the theme of this show, to get everybody's week kicked off. Uh, I know this is like the most – is it the most called off day of the year? Or I think I believe, yeah, I believe that to be true. Yeah. Um, I will be working. Um, but a lot of people will be calling off. So hopefully if you are calling off, uh, you're listening to us. But, Dan, what do you have for O by the way this evening? Well, I just want to give a quick congratulations shout-out to Chris Horvidell, uh, the founder of the Underdog Sports. He is a big Philadelphia Eagles fan um, from Philly, and he, I'm sure, is celebrating his tail off tonight. So, Chris, have a day, buddy. Aren't you? Um, yeah, congrats, Chris, I guess. Um, no, that's It's pretty awesome. We talked a lot about the fact that, you know, it wouldn't be the same having Foles win it instead of Wentz, but I'm guessing it's just as sweet to see it work out the way it did. So, you know, congrats, Chris. And um, Patriots are, like Josh said early, the favorites for next year. It's never too early. 4-1, to one, which actually is like the worst odds they've ever had going into the subsequent year. Um, so that I, as far as I can remember in the Brady era. So I, I and you know what, honestly, I... I would take the field. Like, I don't think that the Patriots are going to win another championship with Brady and Belichick. So maybe that's a hot take. I just, I think that we saw the end of the, like the best of Brady. Um, and I, I would bet against him. I, I don't know that there's an individual team. I'd say he's a bigger favorite than the Patriots, but I would definitely take the field over them. Yeah. I don't, I don't disagree with you there. I mean, it's, it is Brady. You know, he's going to be 41 at some point during next season, and I, I think this was legitimately their their last chance. I mean, the NFC is going to be strong next year. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, you have Jacksonville on the rise. Uh, the the Steelers aren't going anywhere. Uh, the AFC is not going to be an easy cakewalk. I, I would agree. I would bet on the field. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how long Brady plays for. But as far as my oh, by the way, uh, Jake Elliott, the kicker for Philadelphia <laughs> misses his first extra point. He made a field goal prior to that, but misses his first extra point and then goes on to hit a ice water in your veins type of kick 40 from 46 yards to put the Eagles up by eight and ultimately kind of seal the deal. Uh, this is a kicker that was drafted in the fifth round by the Cincinnati Bengals this year. So, uh, you know, Randy Bullock, I'm sure will be a great replacement for years to come. But uh, I love to see Jake Elliott have the success that he did in the Super Bowl because I know another Bengal that was drafted in the last year is not going to see one anytime soon. So congrats, Jake Elliott, uh, on your Super Bowl ring. Um, you earned it, my friend. Uh, any last thoughts 
looking at this Super Bowl from the two of you. Uh, it's been fun. It's been a good football season. I loved getting the leftovers started, and I loved watching this football season come to a close, and I'm glad it's over, to be quite honest. But uh, any final thoughts from you guys? Yeah, I mean, I got one real quick. I, you know, the fact is, in the the all the production that we saw today, it's hard not to remember. I mean, or people forget that. Matt Patricia is going to be Detroit's head coach. Matt Patricia's defense just gave up like 600 yards to Nick Foles. So just keep that in mind, Detroit Lions fans. Enjoy that. It's going to be a rough couple of years as Matt Stafford sunsets out of his career. And Josh McDaniels, uh, really solid performance as the offensive coordinator there. But, you know, there's been talks today that he might not actually jump ship and go to Indy, which has led the uh, discussion that maybe, you know, this next year will be Belichick's swan song. So we'll see. There's a lot of weirdness in the next couple of days. I think we're going to see some some drama around New England. Dan, any final thoughts? I'll just reiterate that I'm happy uh, to be right, and I was really looking forward to doing this show after you guys gave me such a hard time last week about picking the Eagles. So nice we to be you a hard time about the nice to be vindicated. Thing, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Gloating is never a good look, especially when it comes to predictions. Uh, but we'll allow you to have your moment. Uh, I did want to end the show with this though: the first quarterback to start the season as a backup and win the Super Bowl since Tom Brady is now Nick Foles. Oh. oh. So, wow. and it comes full circle, full circle. And Dan, I, you've been right all along. I know you had Minnesota all along, uh, but, uh, you know, great, great pick here in the Super Bowl. <laughs> oh man. We all have to be right once or twice when it comes to making predictions. But Dan, Hey, you got this one for Anchukana, Dan Bauer, the, the Super Bowl predictor himself. I'm Josh Dunn. This has been the leftovers. I'm glad you chose to spend your day after Super Bowl Sunday, listening to the leftovers. Please rate us. Please give us five stars and please tell your friends. We'll see you next time.